Hello, people. This is Reed Striva. And I'm Jude LeCompte. And this is Cajun, Cajun Kingdom, Kingdom of Priests. Their job is to sanctify the social order, to sanctify the world. That's where the power of the laity lies. To transform society, they must begin by changing their own hearts first. Our nation is too full of those that are crying down. Down with the police! Down with the churches. Can you build anything down? You cannot. Let's begin now to use the word up. Up from all of this filth. Up from this violence. Up from this indifference of courts. Up, up, up to God. And keep the joy of loving. And welcome to another episode of Cajun Kingdom of Priests. This is Reed. This is Jude. And this is Father John Joseph. Last episode of the season, huh? Yep. Went yep. by pretty quick. And the, the next one's going to come back pretty quick. I <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a pretty quick turnover. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So today we're, we're kind of doing it a little bit different. We're, we're pretty much just recording all the way through and just talking about that Old Testament. That's a tricky one. So I'm excited to to dive into that. I've been excited, honestly, since we first started the podcast. Really? Well, so, you know, yeah, I mean, usually what we've been doing is I've been quizzing y'all, so this is y'all's chance to quiz me. To really come back at them <laughs> yeah. for revenge. Yeah, but I told them, I said, you know, guys, remember, I'm Catholic. I still don't know where everything is in the Bible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't ask me to quote it. So I can... Uh, I can tell you stuff about it, but I don't know if I can give you the verse. Yeah. I can give you a couple of them. Yeah, well, the I wouldn't. I wouldn't ask you that. That's you know, that's way too difficult. I was just now having to because I have a favorite Old Testament story and that I've recently come across, and I was kind of like reading it through because I didn't want to end up butchering it at some point. You know, like I want to yeah. be able to. But dude, it's just so hard. <laughs> so, like, I just, I just, I have to paraphrase everything in the Bible. I can't, yeah, I can't yeah. quote it, man. I, I really struggle thinking of what the, what it actually says. I mean, the Old Testament's hard in, in and of itself. Yeah, it's and intimidating. Everything about it is, uh, is difficult. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I mean, I don't think we're the only ones who thought that. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. So, but uh, but uh, I mean, you you guys have been good. I mean, everything's been going well. Like in general, yeah, sure. Why don't you tell us about you? You just had a good thing happen to you, Jude. Oh yeah. So so um, in the company that I work for, I've been I've been doing one thing in the company for the last a uh, little bit over a year now, and um, we've we've had a good time together, me and this part of the company. <laughs> but uh, it was just time for us to part ways. Yeah. So so I'm gonna move to a different position and and. Um, I'm gonna pass off my current position, so I'm I'm excited for that. Just something new, something different. Yeah, you know? um, so he's still staying with the same company. Same company, yeah. yeah. Maybe a slight workload decreasing. Yeah, or, or just just a, just a shift. In okay, it, all right. You yeah, know, gotcha. um, but but the thing I'm doing right now is just very tedious. Yeah, and very like not Jude. Yeah, not me, <laughs> dude. He's got to get those juices flowing. Yeah, he's like I need to. Brain. I need some people to like. I don't know. Like yell at me every now and then. <laughs> like tell me something looks stupid. I don't know. Like, yeah, just, Jude's good with people, not yeah. details. Yeah, I'm like working on spreadsheets. I can see that. Yeah. You, as you guys could probably imagine, they're 
a disaster. <laughs> People are like, what does this mean? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> I only do this full time. I don't even know. <laughs> well, that's good news. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, things, things uh, I think have been going pretty good, I, especially, you know, with the podcast. I've been hearing some really great feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people saying that they're learning a lot. We had that great episode with uh, Father Calloway, and he he posted it on his social media. So I think that gave us a little little boost there. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of people are enjoying the 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 um, the themes and the and having appreciate appreciation for for what we're doing. So it's been awesome. Yeah, I'm loving the feedback as well. Um, yeah, especially like uh, a lot of my family's really getting into it, mm, and that's awesome. Um, and yeah, also just some random people who. You know, I haven't talked to since high school and they'll just like, let me know like, hey man, really good stuff. It's like, cool. I haven't talked to you in six years. Like that's, <laughs> that's really cool to hear, you know? That's great. That's awesome. I, I was also going to say, uh, I think we should announce uh, what our theme for season two will be. Mm. Um, so what we decided was that since Pope Francis uh, asked for the year of the family, we decided that we would reflect upon the family. So, you know, of course, the whole overall theme, we're kind of uncovering the the hidden holiness here in, in Acadiana, especially within the laity. But, of course, where does the laity really exist? Well, it exists in a family predominantly. And, and I think we're going to we're going to we got some twists. Uh, I think we're going to throw you some curveballs yeah, with, yeah. with some of the, the understandings of family. We've got some really, really cool people. Um, that are going to be, uh, we're going to be interviewing and talking about uh, this dynamic of the family. With, I'm so excited. I don't want to. I'm, I'm, I'm. I know. I can tell you. Say. Day. I want to <laughs> yeah, tell, yeah. but I'm not going to say. But uh, just stay tuned. And I, I figured what we would do is we try to release it for at least our first episode for All Saints Day. Because oh, that'd be great. Oh, to cool. me, All Saints Day is like the perfect day for the holiness of the laity because mm-hmm. you know all saints day is not everybody thinks of all saints day as like okay we're celebrating you know catherine of siena and francis of assisi but well yeah but it's all saints so it's like my great grandfather if he's a saint you know if you went to heaven mm-hmm. it's you know your grandma and and your aunt and whomever that became a saint like the saints that we knew that's what i love yeah and so All Saints Day will be celebrating the saints that we knew. And I think we uh, it would be a great day to release this, this second season. So really pumped about that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, <clears throat> he was yawning. <laughs> he's, he's not... He's, he's, he's really pumped. He's really pumped. I'm like, mm-hmm, Father, okay. <laughs> no, no. Sorry All right, well, it's time for our Cajun Word of the Day. <laughs> <laughs> Secoot share. I think I said that right. Yeah. Secoot share. Secoot share. Yeah. Secoot share. Yeah. That's how you say it. Hey, bring me that chair. It's <laughs> 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 pretty bad. I don't, even, I don't know what it is, but I think that's pretty bad. Yeah, it was, uh, I could have done better for sure. <laughs> well, I, I think share is, is, you know, like sha, like cute, like a you know, it's kind of like addressing a person. 
So would so you think the whole thing is like that or? Well, I just think share is like that. So maybe. Uh, <laughs> we did we did uh, see LeBlanc. Dieu de la man. Be a good woman. I went with my oh, first instinct on that one too. <laughs> uh, good. Is she good? See. Bon. Oh, okay. See. Oh yeah, true. Dang it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Struggle is real over here in uh, the studio oh, no. today. If it's if it's cute. What can can we say it again? See. Sekutsher. <laughs> We'll go with. Uh, I'll, I'll just go ahead and tell you. Unless you have a final guess, do you have a final? No, guess? I really, I'm clueless. Okay, <laughs> all right. Sekuchair so just means that's expensive. Wow, yeah. dang, dude, so, I was just there was just nothing near that yeah. going on in my brain. All the little words that were flying around, there was never <laughs> anything expensive. about expensive. Yeah, it just means that's expensive. So you know, you see some, see some at the start. Oh, sekuchair, that's expensive. It sounds like Those something Cajuns beans would are say. Cajuns are really yeah, right. are, pretty, are, are pretty cheap. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, that's uh, not the virtue of the the Cajuns. Yeah. <laughs> liberal spending. But it's a, maybe, maybe it's a virtue in the sense that we're we're conservative with our monies. Mm. <laughs> so, but yes, it could share. It's expensive. All right. All right. Okay. Cool. So y'all want y'all ready for our? Uh, let's see. Let's see what a, what a good one would Give be. It to us. How about this for our theological word of the day? Tantum ergo. Tantum ergo. <laughs> 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 There's, it's like trying to sing a, hat, a Latin hymn for the first time. Oh, yeah. And like trying to like sound things out. Kakari to Mende. Kakari to Mende. Y'all know this? Et cum spiritua. No. Say it again? No idea. Kakari to Mende. Kakari to Mende. That sounds made up. So, uh, <laughs> this, yeah, yeah, honestly, Father, I don't believe you that this is the word. We've never fact-checked him before, so he could be lying. A, this is Greek. Okay, it's a Greek word. Ah. That makes me feel a little bit better. Does it? No. Okay. <laughs> um, I The first thing that came to mind was like, uh, like studying the Sabbath. Studying the Sabbath. That's what I mean. That's cool. But no, I mean no, it's not it. But yeah. but that's good. good. Yeah, no, it's, it's okay. It's a cool guess. It's, right. it's not like your guess. I might come with something else. <laughs> Kakari Tumene. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with um, pretending to the mercy of God. Pretending. Pertaining. Oh, pertaining. something pertaining yeah, to the pertaining mercy of to God. the mercy of God. Oh, I mean that's actually a little bit closer. I mean that's not it, but it's um, okay. So. Kare um, 
it does it kind of sound like charism a little bit okay <laughs> kind of hear that yeah. so a charism is what is a charism that's a good question that is a good question a, a charism is um something that makes well a, a charism how, how would you say it is that a is it a gift yeah okay yeah. good so um now okay so let's 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 talk about this. it's a gift that leads to action maybe Oh right. uh, no, that's I mean yeah, kind of. I mean, we're right. getting a little off track. Okay, so basically, okay, so all right, charism. I, I this is what this is why I'm addressing this is because a lot of times people ask ask me, what's your charism for the community of Jesus crucified? What's the charism that you have? Mm-hmm. Or sometimes people will say, oh, I have this charism, and I feel like a lot of times people don't really know what it means. They re- really don't know what they're saying. So a charism means. Uh, it is a gift. It's a gift that's been given. Okay. Now there's a few different kinds of gifts that have been that have been given. Okay. Now now this is de- apart from kakartimene, so it's related but not not directly. Um, so with our charism, the com- charism of the community of Jesus crucified, what you're actually what most people ask when they're asking that they really want to know what we do. Mm-hmm. What do you do? But that's not the correct question to ask because a charism is a spiritual gift that's been given to our community that is to be lived out in the church, for the church, that is living in space and time the a particular mystery of Christ's life. So, so for in, instance, you know, you'd look at the Dominicans. Well, what would be their charism? Well, they're living out the mystery of Christ as preacher and teacher. That's why they're the order of preachers. Oh. Um, if you look at Franciscans, okay, they're they're living out the mystery of Christ's Bethlehem poverty, the poverty of of Bethlehem, you know, and uh, particularly you look at you know like with the animals with the you know Saint Francis was the one who started the crash scene, so you see that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So with our the community of Jesus crucified, it's pretty easy to guess. You know, what would be the mystery of Christ's Service? life? No, no, the 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 mystery of Christ's crucifixion. Yeah, oh. exactly. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's yeah, in our name. Yeah. yeah. Um. So so we live out the what we call the dying dispositions of Jesus crucified, which would mean that we're we live in our the way the way that Jesus was when he was dying. Not not necessarily like in pain, but what we mean is how he was disposed to to offer everything to the father to trust and to surrender to the father to love his mother and yet even offer her um to to thirst for souls so these were all his dying what we call his dying dispositions so that's what we live so that's our charism so why do we do why does it god call about this well because he it's not just because he's tickled pink with me um, I mean, I'd like to think he is sometimes, but really that's not why he gave me this charism to share in. But really it's because he loves the church and his love for the church, he realizes, okay, we need, you know, people are taking the corpus off of also off of crucifixes, you know, we're getting resurrection fixes, you know, people need to meditate on Christ's passion. Hmm. And so he says, well, I'm going to send these a bunch of couillons and change the world by their presence of living Jesus crucified. They're going to remind people of Jesus crucified. So he sends in particular charisms at particular times. Um, some, some 
for long periods of time to say like this this is it's like adding extra salt if it needs salt you know not everybody's yeah. called to be salty but we are that's kind of the idea mm. so anyway that's what a charism is but then you can also talk about specific charisms that are given to the holy spirit but charisms usually uh, and all, I, w- I would venture to say almost always the the very essence of them is for others so it's not for the person not that the person who has it can't be sanctified by using it correctly but think about it in terms of this way like think about it um like let's say uh, uh you know uh someone's a great singer okay well that voice is meant for other people you know that doesn't mean that um they can't you know have certain benefits from ha- using their voice but they could also use it incorrectly i could say let's say i'm i'm a, a great singer i could sing um you know some horrible hannah's disgusting songs or i can sing songs that glorify god you see how it's a gift that's that's helping other people yeah so but but uh the same is true with like you may have a certain gift of 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 preaching you know um you may have a gift of of healing okay notice that's all for the other it can be used wrongly you know just like any other gift so that's what a charism really is does that make sense yes how now kind of like a buzzword in the church or really <clears throat> just in and christianity is being charismatic yeah so, so what is what is how does that relate to a gift that's been given when when i think of charismatic i think of the charismatic renewal i think of like yeah no great question and i think and i think that that's what's caused some of the misnomers so i mean obviously we use charism and if someone's charismatic we'd say uh, obama was charismatic you know huey p long was charismatic what do we mean by that? Do we mean that they had gifts of the Holy Spirit? No, we mean that they had a compelling personality, that they had certain gifts that were mm-hmm. able to draw people to them and made them attractive to people. So, so that's one meaning of charismatic. Uh, then there's the charismatic movement, which was a movement that was sort of geared towards recognizing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit pours himself out in manifold ways, and it's important to discern and recognize those gifts of the Holy Spirit. So um, that, I think, is is uh, also an essential part of this, is, is the, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit and the recognition of those gifts. But then oftentimes that became associated with everything involved in that movement, which is not exactly true you see what i'm saying it's kind of like a a title so you know charismatic music wouldn't that doesn't really hit at the sense you you see what i'm saying it's more talking about that particular it has to be a gift through a person like yeah yeah so to say charismatic music is wrong because it's like that person had a charism of of being able to like to have a beautiful voice and using that for ministry. Right. And, 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 and I will make it the distinction, you know, between natural and supernatural charisms. So a natural charism might be having a beautiful voice or a natural charism might be being a great speaker, but a supernatural charism might be being able to talk about the things of God in a way that people understand it or being able to recognize, um, and, and, uh, and 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 be merciful to people um, who are wounded or something like that. 
So those might be sort of these spiritual charisms. And then particularly when you're talking about like a religious community, you're talking about a mystery of Christ's life that has been given to this group of people gotcha. to live out in a particular way. Interesting. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that is related to, but is not our theological <laughs> word of the day. <laughs> so the Kakari Tomine is talking about, yes, a gift that has been given. Well, what's the name of the, the spiritual gift that God gives us? What do we call that? Grace. Yeah, bingo. Oh. Yeah. No, grace is the gift that God gives us. Okay, so this that's actually what that is referring to. And it literally means the one having been graced, having been filled with grace. So that is actually what Luke calls our Blessed Mother. Mm. So he says, Hail. He doesn't say Hail Mary. He says, Hail Kakari Tomene. So the that's one with grace? the one having been graced. So okay. it's 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 showing that she has been graced and she's continually she's been full of grace. So she's she's been graced. And that's why we relate it to the immaculate conception because she has been graced. She's not just graced because because of his announcement that she's going to be the mother of God. She's graced. He she's graced. She was graced from the moment of her conception. So anyway, drop that at Jazz next party. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kakaritomene ball. Kakaritomene. Yeah. So is is grace, um, is is grace like uh, translated to gift or or what is it translated to? So it's a thing of gracia, gracias, like in Spanish. Okay. It, it's much clearer in in other languages and is particularly romantic languages. Gracias. That means thank you, right? But it means like grace that's what, that's really what it means it, so grace does mean something that's been given freely okay so, yeah. and, and uh, just a random thought that's coming off of this is like the gift of tongues and things like that right the, is, are those charisms of the holy spirit right sure the, that the holy charism- spirit could uh, give particular people the ability to speak in tongues, various languages that that praise him, you know. Okay. Um, now, now one of the things about these these kinds of spiritual charisms, I mean, Saint Paul talks about them. Jo- uh, Saint Thomas Aquinas goes back and he says, "Hey, why aren't there as many around anymore?" And he said, "Well, because that was going on in a very particular time in the church where we had to explode with." converting everyone so he's god is going to dispense his grace as is necessary for what's needed and so he's going to dispense different kinds of graces now so like i mean this podcast the apostles couldn't use a podcast to talk to to a bunch of people but we can but so he's going to give us a different kind of charism in order to relate to the world that we're we're engaging with right and that's what St. Paul even says. He says, tongues, you know, it's not that useful, especially if you don't have love. But he was saying, like, you could, in other words, if you don't have love, he's saying, he's saying you can speak in tongues without actually being in a state of grace. That's huh. what's crazy. You know, you can. And people can even use, use these gifts, but not, still not be doing them in the, wor- in the will of God. Wow. Yeah. 
See, it's just, you have to make the distinction. The greatest grace, and that's what Therese says, that's what St. Paul says, is love, is the sanctifying grace that's got to be in my heart. It's got to be because I'm not in a state of sin. I'm in Mm -hmm. a state of grace. There's nothing greater than that. So that's what we want. All right. Does lot, that answer all yeah. those questions? <clears throat> a lot more I think we could talk about there, just just like as it relates to the church today and just like yeah. different things, but yeah. we could save that for another day maybe. Yeah, and I even uh, feel like I have a good segue into the Old Testament because you're talking about that God's using, God's going to use grace to, you know, reveal himself throughout time and, and history and stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's like one of the biggest things about the Old Testament is that, you know, people people read it as a very like maybe hopeless or ruthless and things like that. You know, so um, you know, I haven't like God's going to reveal Himself in the way that He needs to at that time period, right? And that's right. the perspective that needs to be taken in the Old Testament, which I'm sure we're going to get into. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and you know, another important aspect is grace was not given, and it except in and through Jesus Christ. That's not to say that there weren't these little sparks of grace, but not that's that's the distinction between the Old and the New Testament mm. is the fact that grace was given through Jesus Christ, uh. that he poured out the Holy Spirit upon us. You see, that that didn't happen. Not to say that like a prophet here or there didn't get, you know, get a little bit of the Holy Ghost, you know, and then start speaking, but it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't enough to save them. And that's what St. Paul is very clear about. That's what, um, uh, I mean, the, the whole New Testament is really very clear about, is that they did not have what was necessary to be saved, which is ultimately grace. Well, it yeah. looks like we're going to have to uh, go right now to a break uh, for the second half. But uh, stay tuned, and we will come back, and we'll talk all about the Old Testament. We're going to quiz them up. Oh, yeah. That one was a classic. Oh, yeah. We've had that one since day one. Oh, yeah. It's a good one. Thank you for brazzing it up. Oh, yeah. (laughs) As always. (laughs) Welcome back. Welcome back to the second half of this episode. We're excited to bring you some some Old Testament questions. We're hopefully going to really uh, really put Father John Joseph in a difficult spot with these Old Testament <laughs> questions. We're trying to really stomp him. Might yeah. be God that you're putting in a difficult spot. He's the one, he's the one who said it. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, today you're going to have to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, right. You're, you're going to be the one with the, uh, with the yeah. difficulty. Though. I'm my Bible ready. <laughs> bring it. All right, bring it. Come on. All right, well, <laughs> let's let's start with just, you know, I kind of as we were fading out the, the first half of this episode, kind of talking about, like, yeah, the Old Testament seems pretty, like, God seems pretty ruthless. You know, in mm-hmm. some ways, you know, people might perceive it as, you know, being this, like, you know, this this God that's that has anger and jealousy and, and things mm-hmm. that we would see as imperfect. Um, and, yeah, so what does it mean to have, like, an all-loving God? Uh, and how do we interpret the Old Testament to really, you know, make sure we, we're able to still uh, 
receive things from the Old Testament, receive his word and, and see the relevance of that story that, that's laid out? No, that's a great question. Okay, so first of all, yeah, human beings are ruthless. And I think that that's what's important to recognize in the Old Testament. Read the Old Testament and see the ruthlessness of human beings. That's what it's trying to point out. And that God is actually different from all the pagan gods because all the pagan gods, yeah, they're capricious. They're, they're random. They're moody. They, it's totally based off of what they're feeling. Um, and and they're, they're just sort of like, like, they're so much like us, petty. You know, I mean, when you look at like Zeus and Venus and all these different gods and goddesses, I mean, they're petty, they're sexual, they're doing all these heinous things. Okay, they are, they are random and moody, whereas God is clear that he is responding to real problems. And the first and the most major problem is human sinfulness. So one of the things that the Old Testament is trying to convey to us is that sin has to be dealt with. It can't just run rampant. We have to deal with it. And God is sort of saying, like, look, deal with this, because y'all are doing all sorts of heinous things. And so what he does oftentimes, or what the scriptures uh, often do, and particularly certain scriptural writers, what they do is they try to use human emotion, human activity to describe what God is sort of, how he's responding. So God's not actually jealous because, you know, he's perfectly in, in beatitude in and of himself. But it's showing that he is, he is going, his will has been subverted. It's it, somebody, the human beings have intentionally gone against his will and therefore there's consequences, and some of those consequences look like God, as if God were jealous. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. And so he's responding. He's he's, but and it's also showing that he's actually in a relationship with us. So he's not just distant and far, but he actually cares about what we do. That he's actually concerned about it and the problems that are it's causing. So does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so like for example. <clears throat> and in the story of Noah, yeah, where you're saying that that things just got so bad yeah. that God was like, "All right, Noah, you're the only one who's gonna make it through this. Yeah. Everybody else is about to get wiped out." <laughs> yeah. So so it was it was kind of like that. Like the the sin was so bad in the world yeah. that it was kind of like, "All right." We got to press the reset. It kind of feels like we're there right now. (laughs) (laughs) The great reset, Reed. I mean, Jude, sorry. Uh, Can Um, can you just kind of like speak on that? Like, like that's the kind of thing that, that I think catches some people like, all right. So, so it had to, is that what's, you know, or, or even, or even like the, the method of interpretation for a story like that, you know, or, or just kind of like, kind of like getting into stories because stories like. Noah and stories like um, Passover, um, yeah, 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 or like Jonah. They they feel they feel kind of more like you see them in like kids books. Yeah, yeah, and they kind of just feel more out of touch than like the gospels, yeah. which are much more like sacrificial and like yeah. easy to grasp. So so you can just kind of yeah. On that? So well, let's look at it a little bit. Okay, oh, uh, I flipped to the wrong. I thought uh, 
But the, the, what you're referencing is Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, okay. When men began to multiply on the face of the ground and daughters were born to them, in other words, they had some girls, the sons of God, which is, this is a, it's a very unique and strange passage. Sons of God typically references angels or some kind of gods. The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were fair and they took to wife such of them as they chose. So what ended up happening is this weird this weird, uh, I don't know, like relationship that happened between the sons of God and the daughters of men. And then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh, but his days shall be numbered 120 years. And the Nephilim were born, were on the earth in those days. So it created this weird race of, of creatures wow. that were sort of mixture between sons of God and the daughters of men. And... Also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them, these were the mighty men that were of old, the men of renown. So they were sort of greater than, than actual human beings. Mm-hmm. You see, it's kind of making a weird... Uh, I don't really... I'm not claiming to understand this. Right. This seems to be a passage that um, has some bearings and some, some, court, some sort of myth, mythos. And I just want to clarify before we go on. Does the Bible use myth as a genre to convey truth? Absolutely. So myth is not, doesn't mean it's fake. It just means it's a particular way of conveying information. And they're using this myth, that, like talking snakes, mm-hmm. for instance, in Genesis uh, chapter 3. Um, that, that's, it's using that to convey very profound truths. And so here... It's, it's using this kind of mythical language to show that this, this odd race of, of creature was sort of born. And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So it's showing us that really what has happened at this point is mankind has really totally turned away from God, is totally depraved, and what they're in their pride. So there's a, this race of just proud, um, tremendously, uh, you know, a, a bestial almost group of human beings totally turned away from God. Okay, and then it says that I will, uh, and the Lord was sorry that He made man on the earth. For I mean, probably the most tragic line in the scriptures, and it grieved Him to His heart. So there it says that. Uh, he repented of having made man. That's what it literally says. Nachum, uh, that's the word um, that's used, and it's very closely, it's spelled very similarly to Noah's name. So then it says, I grieved him to his heart, and then uh, a couple of verses later it says, but Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. So what it's actually saying is look at God's mercy. You see that? It's showing... Look how evil I had, but thanks be to God, there was grace there. There was favor there in Noah, and God was not going to wipe out the earth. In fact, he was going to redeem it. Mm. You see that? So it's just, it's, it's the way of seeing it. But, but oftentimes we look at God as if he's like, he's just, he's just getting back at us. And it was really his fault. In the, but that's, that's the whole point. That's the problem that he's trying to fix. That we shouldn't look at him that way. 
You see that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that some of these some of these moves that were made were because in his infinite wisdom saw that this was the best option for humans to be redeemed and saved, right? Right, right. And and again, like I said, you know, was there a flood? How did it happen? When did I, you know, those are details that were not afforded in the in the in the scriptures. So, I mean, obviously it talks about a flood and I'm not suggesting that there wasn't one or that this is just an imaginative thing. But, you know, what was the world for this author? You know, I mean, at this time, did he know about America? Did he know about Native Americans? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's hard to say all about what exactly he's trying to get into his mind. So it's more important to focus on what is he saying about God here? You see that? Mm-hmm. And he's showing that God was, that man, the, the relationship between God and man, it, man had turned away from God, but God was willing to redeem man. That's what it's, that's the point of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that sometimes we get distracted by the details. And I'm not saying that the details aren't significant, very important, but just the, the sort of uh, historicity of it. But I don't think it's, it's particularly there intended to be a historical account. Now, is, is every book in the Old Testament something that you can, um, like, take morals out of? So, so, for instance, things like, you know, maybe something like Numbers and Chronicles and Leviticus, things that are, like, I guess, like, those are the books that come to mind that just kind of list people out. And it's kind of hard to, like, stay in it when you have tried to read it, when, sure. I, when I've tried to read it and stuff. It's, you know, just, just difficult to stay in. It, is that still stuff that there's morals in it and there's something that we could like pray with in those scriptures. Yeah. Yeah. So, so really I think you're thinking of judges that's uh, above all, you know, they, well, that was just like wild. Yeah. That one, <laughs> that one, they just destroy everybody, <laughs> yeah. anybody in their path and God's saying, do it. And then he fusses them if they don't, but you know, there's definitely some passages that you're talking about as well. Okay. So I would say, um, no, I mean it's not it's not that morality is extracted from it. It's just that God is not lifting up every person that we see as a moral figure. Um David as good as he was and impressive as he was had some serious moral failings. And that's to warn us. It's not to to give us an example. And so a lot of these characters are, it's not it, it's not really um necessarily trying to to hold up uh, like that Samson was just this great figure. No, actually, he was pretty awful of a, of a person, and it caused some serious problems. And that's what the scriptures are actually trying to show you. Uh, for instance, Leah and, and Rachel, okay? Um, they're sisters, both have the same husband, okay? Is the Bible condoning polygamy? No, actually, look, read what it says about Leah. Her first, like her first son's name, look a son, and then one of them's name, like maybe now my husband will love me. Okay, it's clearly showing that there's a big problem between with these two women both being in the relationship with the same man and the psychological strain that it's put on Leah. Mm-hmm. You see that? So it's actually showing us, but just in a in a different way. It's not saying look at how holy uh, Leah and Rachel were. You see, that's not the point. Yeah. I, so 
whenever I'm thinking of the the examples that I gave with Chronicles and Numbers, yeah, I guess I'm just you know those were just really boring. Oh, you're talking like, about more historical. Inactive. I got yeah. you. Yeah, and, and so like, are those still scriptures that we can pray with? Like, are, do, uh, is this something I that's going to okay, lead I'm to sorry. prayer at all? Yeah. So when you're talking about, you answered the first one of the parts of my question. Okay. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. So so whenever whenever you're looking at these more historical books which is an important distinction to make because not every book in the Bible is intending to be historical. Some of them are intending to be mythical, and that's, a, that's what I was, I was pointing out. But these are more historical books. Well, what are, what's the importance of them? Well, what's important about them is that they're, they're telling you about this people, Israel, who they are and what their relationship is to God. And so it's giving us some real accounts. Now, Jerome, for instance, gives a great little outline of how we should read the Bible, okay, um, and and some some parts of the Bible are meant to sort of really just be read, um, in, in terms of they're 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 conveying information in the literal sense. But do y'all remember there's more senses than that? Do y'all mm. remember them? What are they? Yeah, literal. There was. Um, I remember I I kept thinking of the wrong thing. <laughs> I kept thinking of like literal rhetorical. Oh yeah, you're thinking things. of like and English class. Then you corrected class. me, but I'll remember the correction, which is the most important part. <laughs> <laughs> literal, allegorical, moral, and eschatological. Those are the four senses of scripture, which we call the quadriga. If y'all remember. Quadriga. Yeah. So okay, um, so w- what that means is that in there's two there's different there's a different way of reading the scriptures. So. The first way is the way that the human author intended it to be read. So you read the scriptures, and what you glean from it is what he's trying to communicate. So in Chronicles, for instance, he's trying to communicate history. Or with uh, the Judges passage where it's smashing babies' heads against rocks and stuff, and everybody's appalled by that. Okay, well, what that means is God God is showing that they need to, to get... Uh, not commingle with this people. It's a sort of historical thing. They don't want this people to grow up because what's going to happen is they're going to start getting involved with their Canaanite gods, and that's going to be a problem. Okay, so that's what he's saying. Now, the allegorical or the moral sense, you might read it and think, uh, like Augustine says, the little baby's heads are actually symbolic of like when sin starts to bud, like that little temptation, that little desire for sin starts to bud in you, smash it. That's, you see, but that's that's what God was seeing in sort of like the whole scope of things. That might have been the moral sense. And you, by praying with it, you can receive that. You see, mm. that's, so that's why you can, you can pray with these different scriptures and see a, a deeper significance than what the human author and originally intended because there's two authors of scripture the human authors and then the divine author the holy spirit who knew that christ was gonna he knew he knew you he knew me he knew y'all you know yeah another another thing that um that i really want to touch on and and kind of moving moving into where where we do see the the old testament tying into the new testament is just just talking a little bit about god's chosen people in the exodus event can you just kind of unpack that a little bit for us like why did he have a chosen people 
um, kind of what what did where did they go wrong where you know yeah okay well uh, I won't be able to use this as a theological word of the day but this is super important and this is really what I think is is important for our podcast too so it's what we call mediated universalism that God chooses some to bless all mediated means through a particular person or people or group of people universalism that he wishes to save all but that he accomplishes his will in collaboration with human beings that he chooses to collaborate with us and so he chose a specific group of people to prepare for the christ um and and that and now in christ he he was rejected by that people which was sort of uh, the whole irony of of the cross you know that the the very summit of their salvation the very purpose of which they came into existence they rejected um and then and then by whenever he died and then rose from the dead his flesh is now no longer just that jewish flesh but it's a flesh that has been risen and he now has drawn all people to himself but now he's making what called the church and that church is to prepare us for the end of time. So we, as members of the church, have been called in a very profound and particular way to let the world know about Christ and his salvation. So we have been, we have been made um, all, uh, part, not, not only partakers in it, but we're actually on a mission to share that that we actually are going to be the ones to help accomplish that, that Christ's salvation, uh, it, it would never have left Palestine if, he, if it weren't for his disciples, if it weren't for Christians. And so that's our responsibility. And that's, that's what, I, uh, what I particularly want to say about the laity is, you know, I have a particular audience. My audience is going to be, you know, Churchgoers, for the most part. That's going to be the people who listen to me. The laity have a different kind of audience, right? And, and Confetti Mama, you know, and in, in, in your uh, work of, of uh, physical training, etc., you're meeting people who don't go to church, correct? Right. Yeah. So it is your responsibility as the laity to preach Christ's salvation. Now, I'm not saying you just got to throw them with it. You got to figure out, this is what, uh, what John Paul says, and I think it's so beautiful. He says the laity have a secular genius. In other words, their genius is how to convey this in a way that secular people can understand it and that it'll change them. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's that you know how to do the world. You know how to live in the world. You know what's cool and what's not cool and and how to communicate and you use that to communicate the gospel to people who don't come to church because I can't communicate it to them. Gotcha. So that's why he's chosen this specific people. Is that you see that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it and it could be could be taken as like oh, he's showing favoritism or 
or something like that, you know, and, and, and upon first. Right. First people, like, only this group of people can be saved. Yeah. You know? No, and, and that, no, I mean, is he showing favoritism? Well, it's hard to say he's not because it says God favored him. Yeah. Or God favored this person. Or, or yeah. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord has favored you, you know? The Lord is with you. And, but we rejoice in that. The more blessed Mary is, the more blessed you and I are. Hmm. And the more blessed I am, the more blessed y'all are, and vice versa. So when the Lord does favor a particular person, it's because he's calling them to a particular mission. And they're going to have to, they have a responsibility. Um, and it's for the others. And that connects to what we were talking about with the charism. You know, mm -hmm. the charism is a gift that's been favored me. I've been favored with it to give it to others. Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. Way to way to bring it in <laughs> to life, um, to to just current life right now. Yeah. I feel like yeah, I feel like you did a good job of kind of like pulling pulling the whole reason of the Old Testament into the New Testament, how they both play a role, and then what our role is now. Yeah. So, uh, but I did. I was really curious. One of the first things that I thought of was uh, just real quick. What what were your favorite books and or characters in the old testament and who's a sleeper character in the old testament that maybe people don't really know that much about okay um all right let's see one of my favorite characters two I'll, I'll give you two uh joseph in the old testament phenomenal story go back and read it i uh, i think it's just it's just I, and i'm I, i'm yeah i'm partial i love joseph period <laughs> but um joseph in the old testament profoundly emotional tragic and merciful and and it becomes a beautiful story i i love that story maybe on another occasion we can talk about it i would be happy to <laughs> um and then jeremiah my boy um you know he, he was a bullfrog and he was no i'm just kidding <laughs> um, no jeremiah in terms of uh uh just he divulges so much of himself in his book and it's confusing and it's it's all over the place, but he's just such a cool prophet. Uh, and I wrote my thesis on him and uh, I was, you know, I started to identify with him. Uh, I don't know how else to say it. Sleeper character. Um, I like Micaiah ben Im Imlah. Um, <laughs> Have you heard of him? <laughs> Absolutely not. Micaiah, the ben, ben means son, so son of Imlah. Uh, but Micaiah was... He was a he was a prophet. the The king wanted to. Uh, king was like, um, you know, hey, should I do such and such? And he was like, let me get all my prophets around me. And and basically, these prophets were just gonna tell the king what he wanted to hear. So all the prophets were like, oh yeah, do what you want, man. You rock. <laughs> You're the best. And he's like, yeah, okay. And then he's like, he's like. Um, He's like, is this all the prophets or are there any more? And they were like, well, there is one. It's Micaiah. And he's like, ugh, Micaiah, I hate that guy. He always prophesies against me. And um, and then he's like, he's like, all right, bring him in. Tell him, you know, and Micaiah's like, it's going to go well with you. It's going to go well with you, king. And he's like, come on, man, tell me the truth. And then Micaiah's like, yeah, you're right. Doom! And, <laughs> and then he just like, he gets, like, he just, the king hates him. You know, he just gets, just run out. And he's like, told you I hate that guy. He only prophesies against me. 
Anyway, I just like him. I just like. <laughs> Long story short, I just love the guy. I was just like, you know, it's awesome. He's like, oh, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. And he's like, he's like, come on, tell me the truth, man. Yeah. Anyway, it's a great passage. Yeah, awesome. And that kind of reminds me of Nate too. Uh, Nate kind of calling out King David after yeah, King David yeah. sinned. Like that was. Well, that's a true prophet. They call people out. Mm-hmm. You know. So, but it looks like we're gonna have to wrap up, huh? Yep. Uh, so, it. so we had a, a, a great time here. Uh, I love talking about the Old Testament. Hope we can do it again, and continue to talk about the sanctity of the laity, um, as well as the people of God. Yeah, looking forward to next season. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed season one. Thanks for listening. God bless. <laughs>